SAFM Sports Wrap. Good evening to you. Welcome to SAFM Sports Wrap, the 3rd of February 2016. Where were you 20 years ago today? It was the final of the 1996 Africa Cup of Nations. South Africa victorious on that day. Send us an SMS. Let us know uh, exactly where you were. You can get those SMSs through right now. In the news headlines, I can tell you that uh, Proteas are in action against England. And we'll chat to Johan Leroux in just a short while. Football news, extra time in the Africa. Nations Championship, Congo DR leading Guinea by one goal to nil. There's also a whole host of PSL fixtures to look forward to this evening. IX Cape Town up against Orlando Pirates. University of Pretoria face Free State Stars. Bloom Celtic up against Supersport United. Platinum Stars uh, travel to Bidvest. Vitz and Polokwane City welcomes Maritzburg United. Bafana Bafana striker Tukelo Ranti has been dropped from Bournemouth 25-man squad for the remainder of the season while former Manchester United striker Ruud van Nistelrooy has agreed to join the coaching staff of PSV Eindhoven from next season. On to rugby news. Lock Marvin Ori will captain the Bulls in Saturday's Super Rugby warm-up match against the Cheetahs in Harare. And uh, in tennis news, world number three Roger Federer is withdrawn from the Rotterdam and Dubai tournaments following knee surgery. And finally, in cycling, Marcel Kittel has, war, uh, has won the opening stage of the Dubai Tour ahead of Dimension Data's Mark Cavendish and Trek's uh, Giacomo Nozzoli. Coming up next here on SAFM Sports Up, we'll chat uh, to uh, Johan Leroux to find out what's happening at the cricket. Proudly brought to you by Momentum. Your partner in financial wellness. It's all happening at the Mangung Oval. Johan Leroux is keeping an eye on things for us. Johan, England posting 399 for 9 in their 50 overs. It's a big ask for the Proteas. Thank you very much, Brad. Yes, it definitely is a massive ask. If they are to win this match, they have to produce their second highest run chase in ODI history. The highest, of course, that famous 4-3-8 game at the ball ring against Australia. South Africa already lost their first wicket. They are currently 72 for 1 after 10 overs. Hashim Amla was the first wicket to fall. That was in the third over. He went after a wide delivery by David Willey, and he dragged it onto his stump, so he was on his way for 6. At the moment, at the crease, it is Quinton the cock on 26. He is with Faf Duplessis, who has played very well so far. He is currently 39 or 30 balls. Johan, uh, was it a case of the Proteas bowling poorly, or did England just bat well? I think it was a bit of a, a combination of both. There's, the Proteas certainly weren't consistent enough. They struggled to find their line and length. And you can expect that because they are missing Vernon Philander as well as Dale Stain. So it was up to Chris Morris and Marshawn Delanger to lead the attack. Two inexperienced bowlers when it comes to international cricket. So the two did struggle. Mornay Morkel brought a little bit of stability to the pace attack. But he certainly was missing his bowling partner Dale Stain. And also Kafisa Rabada was missed as well. It's just another boundary by Quinton de Kock that moves him up to 30 on the score, up to 77 for one. And it's also, Brad, a very good batting track at the Mungo Oval in the Bloemfontein. So all of those uh, factors did contribute to a very big total by England. John Leroux, thank you very much for that. 34701, let us know your memories of where you were 20 years ago today, the final of the 2016 AFCON. We'll chat to the captain of that team next. Brought to you by Momentum. Your partner in financial wellness. Whenever anything goes wrong. Like when I got sick. 
My mum knows just what to do. So we were ready for it. I have the most complete critical illness cover from Momentum. They guarantee that they cover all conditions covered by other local insurers and a lot more. SMS cover to 40717 or speak to your financial advisor. Momentum, for your financial wellness. T's and C's apply. Momentum, a division of MMI Group Limited, an authorized financial services and credit provider. Standard SMS rates apply. Ah, they're taking the decision upstairs, John. This is going to be a close call. The home side with everything to play for here. Have they done enough? One decision can change it all. The right call can transform opportunity into measurable results. Make the right call for your business. Partner with the CASA today. You imagine a chartered accountant? We see a business decision maker equipped to inspire future business results. Find a responsible business leader at findacasa.co.za. Join us this Thursday on Top Billing as we welcome the month of love with a return to classic weddings. From the lavish Magubane Union to when Criselda Kananda said, I do. We were there the day journalist Yolande Begbie was the story. When former Miss SA Nicole Flint became a missus and news anchor Babakshni Chetty made the headlines. That's Top Billing, this Thursday night at 7.30. Repeat Sunday at 12.30. Find it on 3. Don't forget to tune into the health update tomorrow at 5 past 11. Proudly brought to you by MediClinic. Expertise you can trust. A little love never hurt anybody. And we've got a lot of it to give. SAFM, spreading love across the nation. SAFM Sports Wrap. paid off these two towering men causing the initial damage by their height and at last they waited a long long time for this here's the first touch by Fish off the post by Tinkler flicked across there and down went the header they really ground that defence in now watch the arms going up. And there he is, Nelson Mandela. How often have we seen him doing that now in these tournaments? I, I really must say it's, uh, it's almost as if he's the talent, but is it not? I made that 27 minutes gone. And South Africa leading by one goal to nil. There's the spot forward. Beautiful tackle. Racing through. That's a great chance. That's it. Williams. Two goals in two minutes. And this man remains remarkably calm. The substitute has had a glorious finish.
What an incredible memory, and it's hard to believe that it was 20 years ago today. But uh, I don't think there's many people in this country who, if they think back to that day back in 1996, where they were at that exact time, I know for me, I was sitting in a parking lot of the little restaurant that I was working at in my 1981 Mazda 323 Dombolo, listening to the final on the radio and celebrating on my own as South Africa lifted the trophy of the 1996 Africa Cup of Nations. And the man who got to lift that trophy on that day was Neil Toby. Neil, it's hard to believe it's 20 years since that moment, but I mean, I'm sitting here in goosebumps just talking about it. It's still something very, very special to you as well, I'm sure. That certainly is, and I hope you don't still have that 1991 Mazda. <laughs> I don't, I don't, thankfully. We've, we've stepped up. But Neil, it was, a, it was an incredible time in, in South African football, uh, obviously hosting the trophy. There was lots of excitement with us back, uh, being back in the international fold, and it was, a, it was an incredible tournament, and, and uh, I mean, something special for me. To, is it still very vivid in your memory? You know, um, I get asked this question all the time, and, uh, you know, uh, when you actually play in the match, and uh, you're a professional footballer, and you play for your country, it's such an extreme honor to play for your country. All you want to really do is to win that next match, or win that match, and to hopefully get the opportunity to play another match for your country. And uh, when you're in a tournament like this, we're very, very inexperienced, and in a tournament situation, uh, and especially with the African Cup of Nations, and what we were about to do, you didn't quite realize the impact or the, or, or the history that's in the making, and, and that was what was so special, is that, you know, you're just part of the, you're just doing what you love doing, and you're trying to win and, and, and do the best you can, and uh, yes, it, it grows into history, it becomes, a, you know, in the annuals of history, so... You know, when you're there, you just want to win the next game and play to the best of your ability. So it's a special moment, and uh, and history, in fact, maybe history creates history. Neil, a year before, obviously we won the 1995 Rugby World Cup here on South African soil and, and you obviously saw the celebrations and what that meant to the nation. The football was also, I mean, it was an incredible opportunity for you guys to leave your, your fingerprint on, on the nation, particularly from a, a footballing perspective. Looking back 20 years now, do you, do you, I mean, the impact that that has had and that victory, looking at what's gone uh, since then in, in, in South African football, it must make you extremely, extremely proud of what you did as captain and, and what that squad did on, on or during that tournament and on that day. Yeah, most certainly so. Uh, you know, you kept getting reminded about the class of 96 and, and who's going to come and emulate us. And, you know, uh, uh, obviously now it's my job to try to get another, <laughs> another class to, to take over as technical, you know, as being technical director at SOFA. But yes, it, it was a, a tremendously proud moment. Um, you know, one that 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 will live in, in my family for 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 years and years and years, which is quite quite special. And uh, and and you know, having that honour of uh, of meeting that icon and, and Mr. Mandela and President Mandela, and having the association that I had, luckily that I had with him, you know, uh, was was unique for me and, and was really really uh, you know honoured honored to be in, in that sort of uh, time and, and period where we had unbelievable talent in our team and I keep reminding people there was never about the 11 people that were on the field uh, as players we obviously had to have a squad uh, and the training sessions that were off the field 
and keeping that competitive edge throughout the tournament, and then obviously the makeup of the technical team and everybody that was involved. So it was a special bunch that had really, really matured. You know, we, most of us had started off together very naive in the international game and how we developed into really a team that could compete with anybody, and I mean anybody, Brazil, uh, Germany, Argentina, France, and obviously on our African continent too. So we we're very proud of our achievements. It's probably difficult to, to nail it down to one, but have you got a, a, a particular favorite memory from that tournament or, or from the final? You know, we, we were very, very nervous uh, going into the tournament, as I said, naive, not really knowing where it's going to go. And I think, yes, obviously when the final whistle goes uh, and you've won the competition, it's obviously a, a, a great moment receiving a trophy from 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 the president, uh, and he was obviously you know had your jersey, had my jersey on, like he did with Francois. But it was the third goal going in uh, against against Ghana in the semi-finals that that was really a moment that, that I'll, I'll, I will live with because because it, it, then we knew you know we could if you could at any time let your head down a little bit to know that you know we've got we've got into the final and that there was actually no way of coming back for Ghana it was probably one of the, the special moments in the tournament and also the performance we put on that night you know uh, it was it was remarkable Neil, also just looking at that squad, you mentioned our special, not just the 11 players that were on the pitch, but the entire squad and the technical team. You must be pretty satisfied too that if you look at the, the state of South African football right now and look how many of those players that were in that squad are now involved in, in coaching setups in the, in the APSA Premiership and, and beyond, that, that must make you pretty happy as well that these guys were, were part of South African footballing history, but they, they're still giving back. Yeah, and that just shows that, uh, you know, as I said all along, we were, there were leaders in that team. There wasn't just, just myself as a captain. You know, we had leaders all over and, uh, in all the different areas. And, and that's just showing the leadership is coming through all these years later. They, you know, very, very proud to have them all involved in some way or the other in terms of football and, you know, not just being involved, but, uh, doing or having a wonderful job and, and doing well. You mentioned your, your current position with Safan. As much as uh, I'm sure you, you'd love to say that I'm Neil Tovey, I'm the only Safan captain to lift that trophy, you'd like to see youngsters coming through the ranks and, and having that same opportunity and, and achieving the same sort of thing. When, when can we do it again, Neil? Well, it's my job to hopefully have it sooner rather than later. Um, we are putting measures in place. I think we we have got a that Vision 2022, and I think everybody talks about oh, the Vision 2022. But it's in the reality, and we're in the progress of it, and we're putting out programs that that we hope will will, will build a talent pool that that will be very similar to what we had in '96, and that's what is important. That's my drive at the moment, and uh, yes, I've got to always obviously keep an immediate eye and picture on uh, this, the the national teams, current national teams. But uh, my drive is to have a framework a youth development framework of high performance that I know it will keep rolling out the Dr. Kamalos and, 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 and the like and the Shoes Mashur and and Lucas uh, and, uh, and, and, and the same. So that is my passion. I'm, I'm driven towards it and uh, hopefully 
we talk in development, you know, the Germans, it took them 14 years. I hope we can be in half that time. Neil Toby, always great to, to catch up. Thank you so much for sharing your memories of uh, that incredible time in South African football. And best of luck on, on your future journey. I, I think you, you're tasked with a, a tough task, but I think we're definitely on the right track. If you look at the youngsters, we're going to the Olympics. It's, it's been a long time since that's happened. So uh, keep up the great work, and we look forward to catching up again soon here on SAFM Sport Trap. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, South are coming under a lot of flack, and, uh, you know, but, but you've got to just realize that, you know, you sort of look at the Olympics, there's no, no other countries having two teams represented in, in the football in terms of uh, ladies and uh, under 23 men's, you know, obviously about the 17s at the World Cup this year. You know, there is, there is certainly progress, and, uh, and we want to maintain that, you know, we want to make it that it's not a highlight just to qualify. We want to be, we want to be now, it's, it's an automatic qualification type of thing, and, and we must be looking at progressing within those tournaments. Love it. Neil Toby, thank you very much for your time. Coming up next on SAFM Sport Trap, we chat to Helman Kalele. You're listening to Sport on SAFM, the next best thing to being at the game. There you have it, uh, the captain who led that team to glory, Neil Tovey. Now it's time to touch base with uh, one of the members of that squad who was integral to South Africa, lifting that trophy, uh, Midnight Express, Halman Kalele. Welcome onto SAFM Sports Wrap. Halman, it's hard to believe it's, it's 20 years. It's, it seems like yesterday. I, I can remember it like uh, like it was yesterday. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good evening, uh, good evening to your listeners as well. Yeah, it is unbelievable, you know, time moves so fast, you know. You know, when you, they, I mean, the way things happen, you know, I never thought that it has been 20 years gone past by, you know, after our victory. I mean, for the nation, for South Africa, it was a, it was an incredible time, and we spoke to, to Neil about that. But for you personally, mm. did you realize at the time how much it actually meant to South Africa, that whole campaign, and, and once you had won the trophy, did it, did it sink in then, or was it a while later we actually realized, hang on a sec, this was huge? Yes, right. I must tell you, you know, when we won it, you know, I wasn't aware of the impact that it made throughout the whole country and actually the entire continent, you know. Uh, I started to realize at a very late stage, you know, like, you know, around three years to five years later, you know, when you start to walk around, when you start to, when you encounter, I mean, you encounter with people starting to to make, you know, those um like you know, uh, the, the, you know, people acknowledging you know the, the, the importance of us winning in terms of uniting the nation, you know. So it played a huge role. Yeah, I wasn't aware of that impact, you know, at that particular moment. Alman Neil was telling us just about what, what it felt like to receive the trophy from the late uh, President Nelson Mandela, but but he played an important role just from a, a psychological point of view for Bafana Bafana back then. Tell us what Madiba magic means to you. You know, it, it, it meant a lot, you know, because when we were in camp, you know, in the first, I remember during the first game, whereby we were to play against Cameroon, and Cameroon was one of the strongest teams in the continent. And when he came in, you know, to visit the team and also delivering, you know, the motivational, you know, uh, message, you know, it started to lift us, you know, we started to believe that we can conquer, you know, big teams like Ghana, like Cameroon. You know, it, it, I think, I know that I think he played a huge role in our win. 
you've obviously got special memories of that tournament. Is there one in particular, anything out of out of the tournament or the final that really stands out for you? Yeah, you know, it was the first game. It, the first game, you know, the fact that you know we 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 didn't know what was in store for us, but the way we performed in that game and outplayed the Cameroonians and even scored three goals, you know, of which is something that is not easy in an international competition. So for me, that moment, it was the moment, you know, even though we lifted the trophy, but that moment, it was the turning point for the psychological factor for the team. I mean, it's on days like this that you, you think about your teammates and, and guys or men that you basically lined up next to, to to go into battle, and many of them are involved in South African football now, but uh, I think of, of the late John Shoes Mishwayo, who, who passed away not so long ago, and it's uh, it's it's a tough reminder that even though you were champions in 96, life is short and you need to live life to the fullest. Yeah, you know, these are the legends, you know, like the likes of Sizum Tawung, these are the legends that played a huge role, you know, in, in, in uniting the, the, the country. So it really, I mean, they really deserve that also acknowledgement or to be mentioned in this celebration because uh, without them, I don't think that in a nation we would have been achieved what we have achieved as a nation. Well, Alman, I'm going to share a story that I think sort of epitomizes exactly what what this team meant for the nation. And, and you're a humble man. You're not going to tell the story. But I was lucky enough to, to travel cross-country with you a couple of years ago. And we were in the middle of the Northern Cape, a little town. And this was years after your career had finished. And kids were running up to you because they recognized you from that 1996. And that, for me, is when it really sank in the, 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 the gravitas of what you and the rest of that squad in 1996 had done for the entire country. It was incredible to see. And, and, and as, as always, you were, you were as humble as ever in signing autographs. It was uh, wonderful to see you kicking the ball around with those kids in the dusty streets in the Northern Cape. So thanks for the memories back in 1996, and thanks for sharing that memory with me on that trip. It was, it was incredible, and we look forward to catching up again soon here on SAFM Sports Wrap. Thank you. Thanks, Brett. SAFM Sports Wrap. What incredible memories about the 1996 Africa Cup of Nations. I absolutely love it. But uh, time to shift some focus to rugby now. And I uh, can't believe we're talking super rugby, but it is February. It all gets underway at the end of the month. We reported yesterday here on SAFM that uh, those rule proposed rule changes have now come into effect. And we thought we'd touch base with a man in the know. Craig Ray, welcome back onto SAFM. And I know it's February, but we haven't spoken to you this year. Happy New Year. I hope uh, 2016 is a great one for you. can't believe we're talking super rugby again. It seems like we're just Yesterday, the season was wrapping up. Nice to be back on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it, how fast the time flies? I think the last time we spoke was around about the World Cup final on October the 31st or thereabouts. And here we are, ready to go. And the whole, not only a new Super Rugby year, but a whole new four-year cycle starts heading to the next World Cup. And it seems that uh, rugby these days works in these four-year cycles, doesn't it? Yeah, that it does. Craig, let's talk about these rules. The big one where everyone's talking about is the, the bonus point rule and how that's changed. The the, the four-try bonus point falls away, and, and there's a new one that's come into effect. Ex- explain it to us. Well, essentially, in the past, you, if you scored four tries, you earned a bonus point, regardless of, of the score or how many um, tries your opponent scored. What's happened now is uh, four tries no longer automatically guarantees a bonus point. You have to score three more tries than the opposition. So you could score three tries and earn a bonus point as long as the opposition scores zero. But if Team A scores, say, five tries and Team B scores three tries, that's a two-try difference. You won't get a bonus point. You have to have a three-try difference to earn that try-scoring bonus point. The theory behind it is that it's going to force teams to keep on attacking. 
teams, particularly that say have run into a comfortable lead after half time or after 60 minutes, and they've scored their four tries or five tries, as the case might have been in the past, they then take their foot off the gas. They now can't afford to do that because if the other team comes back at them, even if the other team doesn't win, but closes the try scoring gap to less than three, or three, uh, then they uh, lose that bonus point. So the theory is that they have to keep on attacking. Well, what, what's your take on it? Do you think it's going to turn turn the game into a more attacking game, or what, what, what do you think? I actually think it's a gimmick. I think it's trying too hard. I think sometimes innovation is good, and sometimes changes are good, but I think in this case, let's be honest, the, the four-try rule has been in existence since the 1996 inaugural Super Rugby, or Super 12 in the professional era. So we're talking a lot about 1996 today, so that was when that came into to being 20 years ago, and it worked really well. Mm. Um, a lot of other competitions have adopted it, including the World Cup uh, in, in, the, in the pool phase. Uh, so, no, in fact, excuse me, the World Cup hasn't adopted it, but other competitions have adopted it around the world, and four tries, and then, you know, if you come within seven, you're also in a losing bonus point. That still stays, by the way, in this year's competition. But it was an arbitrary thing, four tries, I suppose, initially. Well, why four tries, one on five or three, when the, the rule was initially made. But I think it's worked pretty well, and it's proven to be uh, quite effective. Now they've taken an arbitrary gap of three tries between uh, between teams as the defining criteria to earn a bonus point or not. And I'm not really sure how they came to uh, deciding that three tries was the number, not two tries or you know, four tries uh, between sides. So I think it's 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 just... Uh, a gimmick, and they're going to give it a go. And uh, they say it's working quite well in France, but uh, I don't think French try scoring has really gone up. We'll have to have a, a study on that in time to come to see after a couple of seasons whether it has made a fundamental change to the team's abilities to score tries. And it will be interesting to watch this year how it uh, increases or, or otherwise try scoring in the competition. We can, well, you know, there's 18 teams this year as opposed to 15 in, in the previous four years. So. We'll have more tries just because there's going to be more uh, games overall, but you'll have to look at the average price per game, I suppose, and then figure it out from there whether this is actually going to work. I just think it's a fairly gimmicky rule. Yeah, it's almost innovation for the sake of innovation. You mentioned the, the extra teams. I'm not even going to get you to try and explain the format of this competition this year, Craig, because I don't think anybody understands how it's going to work. But uh, one of the rules that was uh, also brought into effect or changed uh, yesterday, it's almost been brushed over, but it's it's quite a big thing, and that's got to do with uh, lineouts when you're awarded a penalty after the final siren has gone. And uh, in the past, you obviously couldn't kick for touch and take the lineout. You had to keep the ball in play, but that's changed. You can now kick for touch and set the lineout. I think this is actually the more important change, and I think it's a good change as well, because um, it, it is a rule that, that in the past, when the final hoot had sounded and you were awarded a penalty, you had to tap the ball and run, and you know that didn't suit some teams. It doesn't suit a lot of teams, in fact. And the defending team could afford to infringe repeatedly if uh, the, the margin between them was more than a penalty. So they could afford to give away a penalty you know, 80 metres out from the try line, 60 metres out from the try line, because they knew that uh, the, the other side couldn't kick for goal. It you know, wasn't enough of a, a chance to win the game. And they also couldn't kick to touch, where the line-out might be their strength. But I think this might play into South African teams' hands. South African teams' line-outs are generally pretty good, and uh, the rolling ball is quite an effective weapon. So now, if you are awarded a penalty after the final duty, you can kick to touch, you can win the line-out, set up a, line, a rolling ball if, it's, if that's pulled down then you earn another penalty, and that's it's the same phase of play. You can kick the touch. 
and you could get yourself within five meters of the try line pretty quickly if the other team keeps on infringing. And so I think that's going to really make defending teams in that situation think about how they are going to approach it because they they can't afford to keep repeating infringements at the breakdown is where it usually particularly happens in those those frantic minutes after the hoots one team's defending and one team's desperately trying to attack. So that's going to really, uh, I think, be an interesting one, especially when that team's looking for a try to win the game. But as you and I discussed all there, it could go on for 25 minutes, 30 minutes. I mean, you, you, uh, I know that's an extreme case, but you, you really could have a situation where a team kicks the touch. So when a line-out that Broling Mall, uh, you know, gets sacked, they kick another one, another one, you know, and, and you have this uh, sort of string of infringements. I, it probably won't go on that long because someone will knock the ball on somewhere or uh, there will be some sort of uh, breakdown in play that isn't a, a penalty again. So it will be interesting just to see how this one plays out over the course of the year. But I really do think it's a, that one is quite a good innovation because in the past it seemed unfair that you, you were awarded the penalty and you, you, you couldn't do anything other than tap and go. Now you've got the opportunity to go to what might be a strength of yours, which is a line-out. And you think maybe in the case of the Bulls in the past or even the Stormers who have been pretty good with their rolling moves, that, that could be something I might quite enjoy. Craig Grant, as always, great to catch up. And gee, as a former prop forward myself, these changes in rules, uh, I'd hate to know how the players feel now because they seem to be changing every season. Just as you get a grip on it, uh, I know us props were a lot slower than most. So it'll be interesting to see how they do progress. Craig, thank you very much. We look forward to all your coverage during Super Rugby this year and uh, we look forward to catching up again soon. Yeah, we will do. Thanks, Ben, This is Sport on SAFM, every supporter's greatest resource. Thank you for sharing your memories of where you were in 96 Chelsea Hotel in Hillbrow. That's what JK in Port Alfred says. And here's one that says, I was in Stanger watching the game with my mother, contemplating how I'd tell her that I was pregnant. I decided that S, uh, FSA won, I would tell her, and they won. There you go. So good omen. Thank you very much for listening, and uh, thank you for joining us here on SAFM Sports Wrap. Tonight, the talk shop is up next. From myself, Brad Brown, and my producer, Siobhan Chetty, thank you until tomorrow night at 6.30 when the PSL Radio Show Second Jalo ret- uh, returns. Uh, have yourself a great evening. Cheers.